Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. There are some things that just won't be beneficial or good for your relationship with the Lord. Just from such people turn away. And for some, that's really hard. We've been friends since we were kids. I grew up with them. We got all this history. We got babies together. We got, you, you name it. Um, you know, all these different connections that we can have with people. God says, there's some people that I'm calling you to come away from. You'll never walk with me and be close to them. They'll, they'll, they'll be a constant hook from the devil to just pull you back as soon as you get going. As Christians, we aren't immune to sin. We deal with mistakes that bring us down into the depths of despair. But what do we do to get out of it? In today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that if you're still thinking about your sin, your focus on the world and not on God, it's not possible to completely rid yourself of sin. But the way to continually move past it is to look to God. Fix your eyes on Him and leave your worldly desires behind. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. One of the things that marked Christ is that he was willing to forgive uh, vile things against him. But God said, one of the things that will characterize the end time, people will be unforgiving, not willing to let stuff go, uh, not willing to let, you know, not letting anybody off the hook. You, you get me, I'm going to get you back. Um, that'll characterize people in the last times. And we got to be careful as we read through these things. Um, we realize this is characterized. This is the world. So hopefully this is not the church. Hopefully these things, hopefully we recognize I see all these things in the world, but hopefully we don't see them in us. And if we do, we can repent and we can we can we can hand those things over to the Lord and say, God, help me to not be like this. But unforgiven, not willing to forgive, not willing to let somebody off the hook. And anybody here that's ever needed to be forgiven, you know what a relief it is to be forgiven, to just be released of whatever someone had against you or whatever the debt was just to be forgiven. And we know what a bondage and a snare it could be for someone to just, I'm not going to forgive you for that. Never going to forgive you for that. Um, so people that are unforgiven, not willing to let things go. And um, you know, I, I never get to teach on something like this where God doesn't bring it down my street. Um, and I'll just share this real brief with you guys. Um, we went, we just been going through a process, my family of moving. And when we got rid of one house, we didn't have another house. We had dogs. I had a, I had a German shepherd, me and my son, BJ, and my daughter's got a little dog kept the little dog for us and they kept him safe. God bless him. So he wore them out. And then, uh, but the big dog, we, uh, I had a guy that my dad knew said he boards dogs and he kept my big dog, uh, the German shepherd. And long story short, uh, after about a month, just checking in with the guy, couldn't get a hold of him, found out that the guy had went to jail and I was told that he took my dog and some other dogs that he had in boarding and he was using them to do guard dog work at night somewhere. And that three of the dogs got poisoned and died. And my dog was one of them. So I was upset, as anybody would be, um, you know, hearing some news like that. I had to sit down and break it to my son. And I figured, oh, I think BJ's pretty tough. He'll take it all right. And I sat down to tell him. and He just started crying. So, you know, as a dad, I'm like, you did this to my son. So so my old nature said, man, I, I, if I catch this dude, I got every right just once. It's one hit or quitter him. Just, just one time. And you did the, You made my son cry. Obviously, the Lord don't co-sign no mess like that. You know, so as I prayed, God said, no, you got to let that go. And I just said, OK, I, I agreed. I said, God, I'm gonna let it go. That guy's in jail. I just never deal with the guy again. It's over. Forget it. Let it go. So the guy gets out of jail and he starts contacting me. 
And so last week he got out of jail. He said, hey, uh, your dog made it. He didn't die. As a matter of fact, he's over at this house and he texts me the address. So I go over to the address and, and it was like a setup. I go to the address and I see some guys out front, you know, those little gangbanger guys and uh, they got their colors on. But I figure I'll be all right. These are two guys. So I step out and I go to the door and the guy's like, hey, what's up? Through my door. I saw, oh, you know, this guy tell me to come over here and my dog, ain't no dogs here. Sudden, 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 you know, they little set. And I'm like, well, sudden, sudden told me to come, ain't no dogs here. And they kind of framing up on me and I'm like, hmm, it's, it's after church Sunday, so I still fear field, you know. Uh, so I go, you know, they didn't, they didn't touch me and I go, I said, all right, whatever, you know, I go and get in my car. And I'm like, now you didn't sit me to the, you know, into the, the thing. And so I just said, just don't call the guy back. Don't talk to him again. And so I'm looking over my notes yesterday, getting ready for this. I'm feeling pretty good. The guy calls. I said, just don't take his call. Leave the message. I was trying not to listen to the message, but I listened to the message. And I said, but I'm not going to respond to the message. Then he called my dad. And my dad's like, hey, uh, son just called. And he said, the dogs are over at Crenshaw's house. I said, man, he already sent me to one hood. He gets, you know, sweated on. Now he's trying to send me to another hood. I said, just let him come up with them dogs by himself. But I, I remember God took me back to the first thing he told me. God said, just let him off the hook. Like, release that. Because I paid the guy, God said, if you don't let this go, you're going to sin. You're going to sin in your mind, which will lead you to sin elsewhere. You have to just let that go. You got God. Let it go. You know, I replaced the puppy. Your son got a new dog. Everybody's off to the wonderland and fine. God's like, you better let it go. Forgive him. Release him. Don't have no thought of what you're going to say, what you're going to do. You're not going to do nothing because you're a Christian and you got God. And as much as I want to feel like, well, I'm not going to let nobody do this to me. What, what, you know what God always tells me back? Look at what they did to me for you. Look at what I endured on your behalf. Beatings, jailings, floggings, you know, lied on, reputation smeared. My, I went through all that for you. You let that go. And so if you're sitting here and you got somebody that you're struggling with forgiving, think about how much you've been forgiven. And it ought to be a lot easier to just say, I got to let that go. Because I've been forgiven of a lot. Uh, when I think of, I'm thinking of what that one guy did to me, and I can polarize that one thing, but if I come off of that and start thinking of all that I did, and I'm like, man, I, I'm, still, I'm still in debt. You know, I just need to, I need to be forgiven so much that I need to be forgiven. And everybody here, I think that's the same for all of us, but one thing that will characterize the last days, people will be unforgiving, slanderers, lying on people, talking about people behind their back, saying things that aren't true, just, you know, using your mouth, using people using their mouth to tear down other people. That's what a slanderer is. Be careful that that's not you. Uh, we want to use this vessel, this, this little piece of meat in between your face. Um, it's uh, James says this thing is powerful. I mean, you can use this thing to give life. You can use your mouth in a way that just builds up, encourages. You could just, I mean, you can say the smallest thing and some people are just, just blessed and encouraged and strengthened and built up, you take that same thing, you can cut somebody, you can ruin their day, ruin a week. You can have them in depression. You can have somebody that can't sleep overnight because of what you said with that little thing. And so be careful how you use it. Um, be careful, be mindful that the things you say, say things that edify, say things that build up, you know, intentionally use your mouth in a way that is a blessing. Um, because in the last days, men are going to be slanderers. Using that thing in between their face to tear people down and speak things that are, are not accurate, not true. Without self-control, that'll characterize last days, got no self-control. People can't control it. They say, I can't, I just, just 
I just, they just can't stop doing whatever they're doing, drugs, you name it, alcohol, whatever, just no self-control, no restraint at all. That'll characterize this time. Brutal, despisers of good. Not enough that they don't do good themselves, but they despise those that do good. Anybody ever seen people like that? You know, they, 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 they're not content enough to be bad themselves, but if they see someone else doing good, they want to make them feel dumb for doing it. That's what it'll be like. Be careful that you're not those people making people feel bad for doing right. Um, that's a hindrance in a lot of ways. A lot of young Christians trying to get going to walk with the Lord. The thing that people will do to kind of drag them back is I'm gonna make you feel dumb about Oh, you don't do that. Oh, I, you know, just make you feel dumb about what you don't do about living a holy life. There are people that are made to feel bad about not having sex before they get married. And they're made to feel bad or look dumb. But you die and sin before God, you won't feel bad or dumb about having restraint in that area of life. They'll make people, I did this when I wasn't saved. I made people feel bad and feel dumb because they wouldn't drink. And they wouldn't, they didn't want to smoke and they didn't want to drink. And I was ah, you know, or if they drink just a little bit, that's all you're going to drink, man. You, you, you know, I mix you a girl drink then. You just try to make them, I want to make you feel bad. You know why? Because I knew I was going to get blitzed and I didn't want to be completely drunk while you were sober. So, and I, I would do that. I would use my words and make someone feel so dumb. Now look at you, <laughs> you thrown up on the floor, you know? Um, but we do that. That's what it'll be like. And again, this is what the world will be like, but we got to make sure that we're not that. Um, hopefully we're not those making other people feel bad about living right. Um, there's a penalty on that. So we don't want to be those people, despisers of good, traitors, just unfaithfulness, headstrong, bullheaded. Um, people just just doing what they want to do. Haughty. Another is not exactly. You know, we got we got proud, but you got haughty. Just an attitude that, that someone can carry above other people. Just a, a haughty attitude. Um, like you're all that, we might say. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Someone that says, I love pleasure. I love pleasing myself. I love having pleasure more than I love God. Um, and that'll characterize these days where people love pleasure. Uh, whatever they do. You know what's interesting to me? There'll be people that miss heaven to enjoy some illicit pleasures here and now. Where God says in the Psalms that in his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. The one that created pleasure says what I have waiting for those that are going to be with me pleasures forevermore. You know, even now there's pleasures that God will uh, that God permits there are things that God allows that God blesses us to enjoy pleasure. But we don't want to be enjoying illicit types of pleasure. And here this speaks to people that I love pleasure more than I love God. I'll have pleasure if this pleases me, but it doesn't please God. I'm going to please me, whatever that might be. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And this is the last one. It says having a form of godliness, but denying its power. What does that mean? Someone has I got a form of godliness. The word form, it's it's like a. A framework is I got the outer workings of some kind of religious or some kind of godliness. I got an outer picture. I, I, I'm working on the outside so much. Um, I got a form of godliness, but I deny its power. Um, and so this would be the people that on the surface look like, man, they look like a good person. They're in a fellowship. They do this. They do that. They got this form of, but they deny his power. They deny God his power for this era right here was those that would deny the resurrection. 
You know, we attend this, we believe certain things, but we don't we don't accept that God raised from the dead. Today would be people that are saying, hey, you know what? I, I accept God. You know, I believe these certain things about God. I don't believe God would send people to hell. You can deny him his power. He said he did. I don't believe God really, you know, rose from the grave. You believe that? Yes. I don't really believe that. Denying, denying his power. I don't believe God really, you know, I'm, I'm going to give my life to God, but I'm not. I mean, God, I'm not going to change my life. Um, you know, I don't, they don't deny his power. God's power. God does have the power to change a life. You give your life to God. God will change your life. God will deliver from drugs. He'll deliver from alcohol. He'll deliver from sin. He'll deliver from bondage. God will take a life. According to 2 Corinthians 5, God says, all things have become new. The old can be passed away. God will make you new. Like a butterfly. Like, you know, a caterpillar to a butterfly. It looks new. It functions new. It, it's got a new, it eats different things. It's all together new. God will change our lives if we give it to him. But there are people that will say, ah, you know, I'm not going to go that far with it. I believe this far. But we deny his power. That's what it'll be like. There are people that are content. They want a little bit of God. Yeah, just enough, though. No, not too much. God, don't start telling me what I can do. I want enough of God to like, you know, I'll say I love Jesus. I'll bless his name. But don't don't start. Don't start crossing the bridge saying now God wants to his power upon my life. God wants to change me. God wants me to start speaking for him. Slow down. I just want I want just, you know, people. Some people want their, what their relationship with the Lord is like. They want Jesus to be like a condiment. Right. You go get a hot dog at, at Costco. Um, they got a condiment rack. You can take it or leave the condiments. You got your hot dog. But you go to condiments, you can get some ketchup, some mustard, some relish. And, you know, some people, Jesus is just a condiment. I want a little bit of that in my life. Oh, no, that's enough. That's enough, Jesus. Just a little bit. I just, want, I just want to squirt. That's enough. And that's how some people do their relationship with the Lord. I, I don't 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 take over the whole thing. Just a little bit. And God says, I died for all of your life. I want I want all of you. He don't want just a little bit. Y'all know that? He's not content with just a little bit of your life. He died to save all of you. He died to, to have his way in all of your life for the rest of your life until you go be with him in eternal life. God wants all of it. And so um, people have a form of godliness, but deny the power. Then he says this. And from such people turn away. It's a hard thing for people. There are people that God would say, turn away from. Don't hang out with them. Don't be with them. From such people, he says, turn away. Get away from them. Get away from who? He listed all these things. 19 characteristics, the last one. Those that have a form of godliness, but they deny his power. He said, them from such, turn away. Doesn't mean that we don't be a witness to them. Doesn't mean that we don't reach out in love. Doesn't mean that we don't speak the gospel to people. But God says, you turn away. Some things you got to get away from. Anybody here ever tried walking with God and been infected or drawn back? Maybe by your old crowd, your old friends. Drawn back into some old habits, some old ways. Anybody here that's ever had that happen, you know what this is talking about. He says, get away from that. Um, there, there are some things that just won't be beneficial or good for your relationship with the Lord. It says from such people, turn away. And for some, that's really hard. We've been friends since we were kids. I grew up with them. We got all this history. We got babies together. We got you, you name it. Um, you know, all these different connections that we can have with people. And God says, there's some people that I'm calling you to come away from. You'll never walk with me and be close to them. They'll, they'll, they'll be a constant hook from the devil to just pull you back as soon as you get going. And uh, my first year walking with the Lord, God let me experience that several times. I'd be going good. I'm jamming, doing great. No drinking. Drinking was a big issue for me. I'm, I'm having victory over the alcohol. And then I go to one buddy's house just to see the Laker game, play some dominoes. Innocent. Dominoes, Laker game. I get to the door. This guy known for a long time. He knew my favorite drink. And um, I get to the door and he was like, Bam, he threw my drink. What's up, baby? You know, you got my favorite drinks on the table. Now, he's not saved yet. So for him, 
He, he was showing me love. He made a sacrifice. He spent his own money. In the world's way, this guy was saying, man, I love you, bro. Bam. And I remember getting to the door and I, was, I hit a panic like, oh, man, because my flesh would love to have this. But I know that once I drink, there's a whole lot of I don't I don't just drink a little bit when I drink. And then once I drink, there was a whole lot of things that go out the window. And I was feeling pretty good about where I was in the Lord at that moment. And I remember this is what I did. It wasn't the right. It was somehow the right thing, but not always. I didn't do I did the right thing the wrong way. My beeper went off because I didn't have a cell phone back then. I had a beeper. And when the beeper went off, he didn't know I was no longer selling weed. But I, I acted like I had a customer I had to go take care. I, I got to hit. I'll I be right back. And I remember getting in my car and I'm like, God, help me. I don't I, I God said, don't you can't go back. You can never hang out with him and you're not going to hang out with him and grow in your relationship with me. You have to make a decision. And I remember just saying, like, man, I love him, but I got to love God more right now. I love I love being free of alcohol right now. I love the clarity in my mind. I love feeling right with God. Like, I love that more than I love that. And so it cost me that friendship, that friendship. I never got it back. Um, but I don't regret that. I look at it now and I'm like, if that's what it cost me. I'd still rather have this freedom. I don't like who I was under alcohol, right? And so some of you, there are people that God would say, come away from them. And you may have long-term friendships and deep relationships and all kinds of connections. And God would say, if they're hindering you from walking with me, you need to, you need to come away. You need to come away. Um, and, and so may that speak to whomever it's for. It says, and from such people turn away. And moving on, it says, for of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lust, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so he says there are those who they live this way. They don't turn away from these kind of people. And they say they, they make their way into homes. Um, the, the, the idea that he gave or the care, he says gullible women. The idea is these are women that have time, people that are just at home with time on their hands. And these people are coming into their homes. In Paul and Timothy's day, these are people coming with bad doctrine, coming in, denying God of his power in some way, saying we got that form of godliness, we want to deny his power. Every cult that comes to your door is, is God, this is this perfect for them. Jehovah's Witnesses, this would, this would identify them. The Mormons, this would characterize them. The, the Church of Christ cult that goes to the college campuses, they're always preying on people that are in some way vulnerable. We're going to go home where men are at work and women are at home and we're going to get the, the women, the weaker vessel in most cases. And we're going to find those that are they're laying. They got their own sins and guilt and things they're dealing with. And we're going to give them just a form of God. And we're going to deny the power. Joe's witnesses rob God of his power. Their Jesus is not God, but they use all of our terminology. So it's confusing. If you don't know your Bible and you talk to one of them, they're trained to sound just like you. You're like, they're Christians, too. I asked somebody to tell me the Mormons are Christians, too. No, they're not. They're, they say Jesus, but they don't th they're not talking about Jesus Christ in your Bible. They're Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of things with that. There's a whole different belief system, but they've all stolen the words of Christianity and packed them with new meaning. So if we don't know better. We'll be like, hey, well, come on in. We'll, you know, we'll just talk it up gullible. So we want to be careful, careful of, of giving our time to people like that. Know that they're out there. Um, and um you know, I look at every instance where there's a, a cult or that sort of practice. They prey on gullible, gullible people. The Church of Christ cult. They go to college campuses where kids are away from home many times for the first time. And they look very Christian until you get involved. And they tell you that you got to be baptized by us to really be saved. And before you know it, you get involved and you realize that no one else is really saved but us. And, and you should maybe separate from mom and dad. And, and we'll tell you who to marry. And we'll, they just start taking over your whole life. And you're like, whoa. 
This feels like a cult. Um, that is a cult. Y'all know I'm not supposed to take over your whole life. I give biblical counsel, but I don't own you. I'm not the Lord of your life. Jesus, I'm, my, my, my preaching is that we would put Jesus in the position of lordship. I don't want to be your Lord. I would be a horrible Lord. I don't know everything. I can't do everything. I'm not available 24-7. I'm not qualified to be the Lord of anybody's life. I need Jesus to be my Lord too. Um, so be weary of any group where someone's willing to be like the Lord. You got to ask them everything. They got to tell you every single, what? Why don't I just pray on my own? Can I read my Bible by myself? Well, you could, but you probably misunderstand it all. I'll tell you what it means. I'm telling you, read your Bible by yourself a lot. Read it and pray and pray and read it. And let's talk about it. But read it and pray and pray and read. I believe God will speak to you as you do so. Back to this, you know, it says they go into households and uh, make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. The, the thing that it says is that they were always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Um, that one hit me. I said, what does that mean? To be always learning? Be always learning, but you can't come to a, you can't come to a place where you know the truth. The word knowledge there, it means an experiential knowledge. These are people that are always taking in data, but they're never able to know the truth and experience. Um, never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Never come, able to come to a place where it's the truth that I know is the truth that I'm living out, that is impacting me in a, in a living way. Just taking in knowledge. Ever learning, but I don't really know the truth in an experiential way. That's an important part of our relationship with the Lord, you guys, that we are to, we want to know the truth, but then we're to experience the truth that we know. Um, that means the only way to experience the truth that we know is that we got to walk in it. As God speaks to you through his word, he convicts you to change. He leads you to do something. It's as you begin to do what God's word says that you begin to have an experiential knowledge of the word of God. That's where your faith grows. That's where you that's where you go from a place of well, the Bible says to a place of saying, man, when you walk this out, it works. And I, I challenge anybody here. Take any area of your life where you're struggling right now. You're struggling and you take an area you're struggling in. Say your marriage, study the word on marriage and just do what it says and you'll experience the truth of God in that in that area of your life. If you struggle in some other area, you struggle with your anger, then take God's word in concerning that and obey it. And you'll experience the truth of God in that area of your life. Take any area where you find, you know, what I'm struggling in this area. And if there's an area where you're struggling, you say, I don't know the word in that area. Then please don't leave. Get one of us pastors and let us give you some verses. Let us give you scripture on that area that you can take that in. You go home and read those verses and take in God's word. But you take God's word in on any area and live it out. I'm going to just do what the word says to do in this area. You'll have some victory. You'll know the word in a way that it goes beyond just I know this to where I, I know it. I know it for a fact. I know it works. And in my life, what I found is that when I have victory in one area and I know God's word works there, the next time I'm battling with something else, I'm going to go to the word again for this area so I can get a real victory here. So I can begin to experience transformation and change that I don't just know a bunch of stuff. Um, it would be useless to know how to get saved, but not be saved. But you know, there are people that they know that they know the gospel. They know what the Bible teaches. They know they know what you're supposed to do, but they don't know. They don't know. They don't know it by experience. They don't know what it is to be saved. They don't know what it is to have a, a relationship with the living God. They just know what you're supposed to do. What a, what a, what a ripoff to just kind of know. Well, I know what it's supposed to be. In theory, I know um, what you're supposed to do, but I haven't experienced it in a living way. God wants us to not be those that are ever learning, but not able to come to a knowledge. God wants us to come to a place where we know the truth because the Bible says you will know the truth and what the truth will set you free and make you free when you know it. And so moving on down, it says 
in verse um, eight, it says, now, as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. You've been listening to A Transforming Word as Pastor Bill Buffington has moved into 2 Timothy. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a young preacher that he has trained in the gospel. Paul's life was characterized by suffering as he went through the world preaching the gospel to hostile crowds, and he didn't want Timothy to lose heart because of it. In 2 Timothy 1.13, he reminds a young pastor, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Have you ever seen a believer you respect suffer at the hands of others, maybe unbelievers or even Christian leadership? How did you feel? Were you tempted to lay low or did you guard the good deposit you have been given? We're so glad you're here today on A Transforming Word. This program is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. We believe that life is done better in community, and we'd love to have you be a part of ours. We're located in Inglewood, California. If you're in the area, we would love to see you this coming Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. or on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. You can find all the information you need at calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. While you're there, poke around a bit and discover everything we have for you. Thanks for being here today. We've come to the end of our time together, but we'll be back again next time, and we hope you'll be too for a transforming word. Transforming Word